There is a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know that it's the spirit of the Lord. There are sweet expressions on each face. And I know that it's the presence of the Lord. Sweet Holy Spirit. Sweet Heavenly Dove. Stay right here with me. Filling us with thy love. And for these blessings we lift our voice in praise. Without a doubt we know that we have been revived when we shall leave this place. I'm not necessarily nervous about being in this place. I worry that I can't convey to you in human words the beauty that is found in the Word of God and the beauty that is found in living a sanctified life and the confidence I have in the doctrine of Christ's sanctified Holy Church. I have studied it. I am not one who take. I won't argue with you, but I don't necessarily just take what you say for granted. I have studied it. And I believe it to be true. And I want to convey if the Lord will help me to slow down and convey what I've been thinking about and what the beauty I see in his word. I want to talk about John the Revelator. Um, John, he was a disciple. He was a fisherman first. He was a disciple of Jesus, probably the youngest of the disciples, a young man, a young boy probably, when Jesus called him from the boat. He was there on Mount Transfiguration when he saw the man transferred into a glorious being. He was there. He was there in the garden when the soldiers came. He was there at the trials. He was there at the crucifixion. He accepted responsibility for the mother of Jesus. He outran Peter to the tomb on Easter morning. Young man. Yeah, young man. He was there on the day of Pentecost and he received the power of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. He was in the upper room with the rest of them. He preached in the city of Jerusalem. He left on record a witness of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. One of the most beautiful gospels we have. Beautiful. He wrote John 1, 2, and 3. If ye walk in the light as he is in the light, ye shall have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If you, if you say you have no sins, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. But if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. These are the words of John the fisherman, John the revelator. Now life, was, he was getting older here. It was towards the end of the first century. He was around 80 years old now. He had given his life to the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that of the Paul's ministry had finished. Paul had gone to receive his reward in heaven. And what I'm trying to get to now is this seemed like a desperate situation for an 80-year-old man, or at least 80-year-old man, that had given his life to Jesus. He was exiled to a rocky island. 
He was exiled to an island called Patmos just because he had the testimony of Jesus Christ. He lived in the time of the Roman Empire, and they didn't like Christians. And he was exiled to this volcanic island that had volcanic rocks there. And from history, it was a place where they sent prisoners to die, basically, that was on death row. And I think they sent John there to die. God seeth not as man seeth. Man looketh on the outward appearance. By now, you'd be feeling sorry for John under those circumstances. But boy, did God have something different in mind for John. He was just starting to receive things from the Lord. He was just starting to receive the mystery. He got to see things. Jesus told him, write what you see. He got to see into heaven. He got to see the beauty of heaven. He got to see the horror of the bottomless pit. And he got to see the plan of salvation from beginning to end. Now, it was at this point I wanted to, I would plan to talk about each one of the seals. Because my point is here is the plan is complete. As Brother Leon talked the other night about the plan of salvation and God wrote the plan, his son Jesus executed the plan, it's complete. It's not a work in progress. And I think we can discuss these seals and know that the work is complete. But as we were in this beautiful meeting today, this meeting this morning, where I felt I was almost caught up to that third heaven, And where I realized that sometimes the body can't take all the blessings that Jesus pours out on them. It was almost beyond what this body could contain. I felt like Daniel when he saw the visions and he fainted. He just couldn't receive all the spirit in this natural body that we have. And I felt then the Lord told me, or I felt the Lord reveal to me, concentrate on heaven. Tell my people that their reward in heaven is great. Try to explain to them that they have a great reward and inheritance undefiled and that fadeth not away. It's reserved in heaven for you. I believe if every one of you could see into heaven tonight, particularly those that are lost, if you could see into heaven this minute, you wouldn't wait till I got through talking here tonight. You'd be coming down here to these altars. And if you could see into that bottomless pit, you'd be doing the same thing. But John saw some beauty. The door was open for him. There was a door open in heaven. Who had had that before? A door open in heaven so he could see. Well, you know what? He didn't just see he heard things in heaven. That's right. Sure did. I want to talk about the sounds first of heaven. Harpers harping on harps. Songs being sung. Amens. Hallelujah. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who art worthy to receive honor and glory and wisdom. Yes. Those are beautiful sounds, aren't they? It's similar to what we're doing here. Beautiful sounds there are in heaven. But you know what he saw? He saw a throne that was set in heaven. And one sat on the throne, and he looked like Sardis stone and Jasper, I believe it was. Beautiful to look upon, bright. And around about that throne was a rainbow, like Jasper, around the throne. And he saw around the throne four and twenty seats. And on those seats was four and twenty elders 
robed in white robes. They had washed them in the blood of the Lamb. That's why they were white. They had been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And they had crowns of gold on their head. And they fell down in front of the throne and worshipped him. In front of the throne, there was a sea of glass. And I'm going to get to that before the end, what that sea of glass was. Clear as crystal. Well, let me just tell you right now, it's the Spirit. That was what was issuing out from the throne. It was the Spirit. But he saw it clear as glass there. And then he saw the four beasts. Don't be frightened. It's not beast like you think about that's ugly. It's wondrous, beautiful creatures that are in front of the throne crying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, day and night. They cease not. Don't you know he, oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself on the victory that's in Jesus Christ. That's why they're saying holy, 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 because there's victory in Jesus Christ. Oh, it's so beautiful. And then what's beside the father on the throne? The son took his place. When John turned and saw who was speaking to him there in the Isle of Patmos, he saw him, his, wool, his hair white and all of these things he saw. And he said his countenance was as the sun that shineth in its strength. When Paul was struck down on the way to Damascus and he saw that light that was brighter than the noonday sun, it was Jesus. He's so bright, there's no need of the sun or the moon because the Lord and the Lamb are the light thereof. That's what's on the right hand of the throne. Then you've got the witnesses You've got the two witnesses there. And then you've got a multitude of angels. Oh, if we could spend time talking about angels. I studied it one time and actually the Lord said, don't do that. But I think he wants me to tell you that there's a lot of angels in heaven. I hear the noise of wings. You know, he said that he could have called 12 legions of angels to release him and let him go. I believe that's over 70,000 angels that he could have called. And not only that, do you know each one of us have an angel? That's what the scripture says. And do you know what? If someone hurts you, your angel's going to go tell the father. I believe that's what it says in Matthews, that each one of these little ones has an angel that's before the presence of the Lord. I believe each one of us, our angels are there. Just think if this multitude here was doubled. Our angels are there. The angels are here. They're hovering all around us here tonight. We're in a heavenly place because heaven has been brought down to us. That's what he saw. That's in the new Jerusalem. It's coming down from God out of heaven. And there are multitudes and multitudes of overcomers who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb and they have received their reward. Great is your reward in heaven. Don't miss it. There's no way for us to describe how pretty it is, I don't think. But you don't want to miss it. It will be a forever camp meeting. It will be tripled so many times the beauty of heaven. And I want to see you there. I want to see you there. I want to talk just a little bit about at least the seventh seal. This is so pretty. All of those seals. But the seventh seal, when he opened the seventh seal, first of all, there was silence in heaven for the space of a half an hour. No hallelujahs, no holy holies, no amens, no harpers. Everything stopped. Things was about to change. Things was changing. There was quietness there. 
Then there were seven angels. Now, within the seventh seal, there are seven angels. So don't get confused. There are seven angels within the seventh seal. Well, now, while those, and each one of those angels was given a trumpet, and they were going to sound their trumpets, and they meant something. Each one of those did. While they were waiting in front of the throne to sound their trumpets, here comes another mighty angel. And it had a censer in its hand, and it was full of incense and the prayers of the saints. And the incense and the prayers of the saints went up before God. He heard about those souls under the altar, didn't he? He heard the prayers of those souls under the altar. Something new was about to happen. See if I can remember all of this. Could y'all sing a song for me? Those of heaven are open. The blessings are falling to That'll be good. There's joy, joy, joy in my soul since Jesus. Thank you, sir. Sure appreciate it. I get excited about the scriptures, so, and I try to rush through them. But this angel then took fire from that golden altar, and he poured that out unto the earth. Now, let me stop here and say, when he took that fire from that golden altar, that was a most holy altar. And that fire was most holy fire. And when he poured it out into the earth, he poured it out into this earthen vessel. It was going to purge your sins. That's what was starting to happen here. We was going to be cleansed. Now, I want to talk about the golden altar. This is not the brazen altar where the sacrifices was made. The golden altar was a holy altar. Now, its placement is so interesting. It was placed right at the veil where you had the veil that went into the holiest of holies, where you had the Ark of the Covenant, where you had the mercy seat, where Jesus came down to meet with his people, this golden altar was right here in front of the veil. And it was a very sacred altar. Every morning and every evening, Aaron and his sons had to burn incense on this altar. And it went up as a sweet savior to the Lord. But once a year, when that high priest went into that holiest of holies to offer an atonement for those people, he took some fire from that holy golden altar and he carried it into there to the holy of holy and it was part of the reconciliation process for the atonement of that holy place for the people. That's why it is so significant that that golden altar was in front of the throne and that that angel took the fire from that golden altar and throw it down to the earth, and it fell into our hearts to burn away sin from us. Now, um, the golden altar, and then I want to talk about how that the, the, the seventh, okay, I want to talk next 
The trumpets begin to sound. Okay, that was the angel that didn't have the trumpet, and he flew down through there before they could start sounding their trumpets. Well, now I'm going to go to the fifth angel when he sounded his trumpet. Now, when the fifth angel sounded his trumpet, John was able to see the horror of the bottomless pit. It said that a star fell from heaven, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And the bottomless pit was open, and the smoke came out of there as a great furnace. This is an abyss, if you will, a bottomless pit. And obviously there is a lake of fire within there as such smoke came out. It said that the sun and the air was darkened by reason of the smoke that came out of that pit. Now there is an angel of this pit. There is an angel of this bottomless pit, and his name is Apollyon. You know, there are sounds according to Jesus. There are sounds from there. You know what these sounds are? They're not hallelujah, amen. Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's what's there. When I read this, it reminded me of Sodom and Gomorrah. This was a city, a sinful city, that was given to unrestrained indulgence. I think it had no boundaries. It didn't stop on its sin, but the Lord saw it. And he came down to destroy it. And the Lord told Abraham if he found just ten people in that city that was righteous, he wouldn't destroy that city. But obviously, he couldn't even find ten people in that city that was righteous. Now, I feel like these stories are for our learning and to help with our faith of the spiritual things. Because after the angels were sent to take Lot's wife out, the Lord rained fire and brimstone on that city and consumed it. Abraham stood afar off, and he looked over there, and it says he could see the smoke coming up as a furnace. That's what he saw. Now I'll tell you that there is a mountain in that area. It is a mountain of salt to this day. And it is called Lot's Wife. It is near the Dead Sea, which is no good because of the salt. I believe the Bible. But the Lord gives us tangible evidence sometime to help us with our faith. Now you think, how could anyone be sent to that bottomless pit? Well, the song we sang today tells the story in Amazing Grace. Grace appeared the hour I first believed. There is a balance between truth and grace. Grace is extended when you believe. You have to believe first. Now, I want to read that seventh. Let me read here what it says about when that seventh trumpet was going to sound. When that seventh, that was the fifth one we talked about. I'm going to talk about the seventh angel now with its trumpet and when it starts to sound. But here I want to read first. It says, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants, the prophets. Now let's see what it says over here in the 11th chapter of Revelations. 
And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks. O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy that great power and hast reigned. The battle was fought. Christ won. The kingdoms of this world, being the kingdoms of Satan, were conquered. Satan no more had to be the king of your life. Satan no more had to rule over your life. And this kingdom was established on the day of Pentecost. When he, the spirit of truth, came into the hearts of men and women and guided their lives every day, those kingdoms was conquered. The kingdom of Satan was conquered. I'm going to go to Isaiah, I think it's 66 and 8. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Sure enough, it happened. There on that day of Pentecost, the kingdom of God was established. A nation was birthed there on the day of Pentecost. And it was all through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now... Jesus said that the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall you say, lo here or lo there. But the kingdom of God is within you. Now in Daniel 2 and 44. Now this is where Nebuchadnezzar had seen that mighty image. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And this is another thing. That kingdom, that image that, he, that Nebuchadnezzar saw, that Daniel interpreted for him, where the head was of, of, of gold and the shoulders and arms was of silver, and then I think the... the thighs were of brass and then the legs were of iron and the feet was iron and clay mixed together. Well, you see, those kingdoms had happened. He said, in the days of these kings. It's not that America's a superpower and it's going to be in these days. It happened in the days of these kings. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, the Roman Empire. And that's when it was mixed with all of these other things. That's when that stone was cut out of the mountain without hand that was Jesus. And it broke all of those others. And then he said it was in the days of these kings that the kingdom would be set up. And that's the kingdom that was set up on that day of Pentecost was what he was talking about. Now, Jesus told his disciples, when he taught them how to pray, he said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus said that his kingdom was not of this world. If his kingdom was of this world, his servants would fight. But it was not of this world. You know... Just as the Jewish nation thought that their Messiah was going to come and remove Pilate, remove the Romans from out of Jerusalem, 
and establish a kingdom there in Jerusalem again, there are people who think that Christ will return to set up a natural kingdom on this earth. But what was better, to fight Pilate or Satan? What was better, to overcome Pilate and the Roman Empire or Satan? What was better, to set up a natural kingdom there in Jerusalem or an eternal kingdom in heaven? It, It makes all the sense in the world to me, but it seems like people can't see it. They can't see it. I'm so glad for what I was taught. They gave me a jump start in what I taught, and then I searched it out for myself. I'm going to go now to to Revelations 22. Just read a couple things because I know it's probably getting late. And he shewed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne and of the Lamb. That's where the Spirit comes from. That's where that Holy Spirit is coming down from us tonight, from the throne. That was what he saw that was clear as crystal. And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according to his work shall be. Harry may have just read this. But, but you know what? The second man is the Lord from heaven. It says that in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. It's, and it's every man at his coming. Every man at individual coming is what it's, this is about. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Jesus has sent mine angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. He was before David. He was after David. Before Abraham was, I am. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is at thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Wherefore do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. You know, people don't take a trip for the trip. You take a trip for your point of destination. If life is just about living, you're of all men most miserable. You need to be making plans for your point of destination. Because as I talked about grace and truth, there will be a separation. He is a just God. And when we read about the mighty acts he did, and some of the things are mysteries to us. Um, I, I was reading with my mom and talking to them about there in Kings when, when he wanted to send a lying spirit into some of those prophets so that Ahab would go and be killed at that battle. Some of these things we don't understand. He said Nebuchadnezzar was his servant. That's right. He called Nebuchadnezzar his servant. That's right. But the, we... God's logic is not our logic. That's right. God's wisdom is not our wisdom. If we lack wisdom, let us ask of God, who will give to all men liberally and upbraideth not. It is so free to everyone, and every soul here 
is equally important to Jesus. There's no one soul here more important that has come down to this altar than anyone from the youngest to the oldest. He loves them all because he died for them. He died for them. We want you to consider your time here on earth. It's just a short time. It's like a vapor. It appears for just a little time and then it vanishes away. What are you doing with your time? Are you preparing for your point of destination? While we sing a song of invitation, won't you please come and partake of the water of life freely? It is a well of water that is springing up into everlasting life. Come claim your inheritance.